especially as women, if, as people of color, I believe that we can definitely make waves just by banding together and understanding that we're all reaching towards the same goal. And it's a simple concept that has passed us over for so long. And I'm hopeful that we will take notice and understand that, yes, you're doing the same thing as me. I'm doing the same thing as her. And that's great. But when they look at all of us together, not as individuals, but as a group, we have a much more powerful voice. That is where change is made. It's not just one person over here who thinks this, and then I think that over there, and then you think, and if we're all thinking the same thing, but talking at all three different times, we're not a powerful force. When we stand together and we get in front of someone who's opposing us, and here we are together, unitedly fronted against or for something, we make change and difference. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am so grateful that you are joining and tuning in to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I am your host. My name is Shada Tarabi, and I want to kick this episode off by saying thank you so much to the people who have been reaching out and tagging me in posts on social media or just DMing me and giving me some kudos for the episode that you loved or something that you learned that you applied to your business or brand. I don't want to exist in an echo chamber. And so I'm please asking all of you, whoever is out there listening, please reach out. I am a real human being and I feed off of the community. And so I want to get to know you guys. I want to learn your stories and I want to hear how this podcast is helping you. So please, please, please reach out at the Shada Tarabi or at to be blunt pod on Instagram. I will DM you back, I promise. And with that said, I want to welcome Tiffany Watkins to today's episode. She is going to be our guest for the conversation. She is the founder of Vanguard Media, a magazine that is dedicated to empowering women in cannabis and helping tell their stories. She also goes by Lady Canna, which we're going to dive into in the episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Tiffany to the show. I am Tiffany Watkins. I am the founder of Vanguard Media. I am also known as Lady Canna, which I'm pretty sure we'll discuss in a couple of seconds. That's always fun. Vanguard is a platform for women in the cannabis space and a long time coming in cannabis for me. I'm working and bridging through three decades. So I've seen a lot of change. I've seen a lot of different things and listened to a lot of stories. Lots to tell. Lots to tell. Well, let's start with Lady Canna. How did you get that nickname? Certainly. Um, it's less of a, of a nickname and more of kind of what I do. I really have always advocated for people. I've always kind of rooted for the underdog. And as the years have progressed, I've just kind of always noticed that, that women don't always get the same treatment when it comes around things. Stigma attacks us an awful lot more. And being a lady of cannabis is not being a stoner. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but... People have made something wrong with that. So in order to kind of step aside from that and force people to listen, I wanted people to understand that the ladies of cannabis, they're you, they're me. Lady Canna is a concept. Just a lot of people happen to know me as Lady Canna and do sometimes refer to me as Lady Canna. 
I love it. I think it's important for people to understand kind of the history behind it because I think so much of who you are is wrapped up in that name, but it's really like a power statement, right? It's like, I think knocking down the walls of who a traditional cannabis consumer probably previously was or looked like. And I think that as much as we, you know, whether you love to hate it or not, cannabis is moving more mainstream. And so I think while it's a very uphill road that we're embarking on, it's also a really beautiful time for us to kind of rewrite that narrative. And so I think you kind of positioning yourself as Lady Canna really as this beacon for the industry for this conversation, just like letting other women see themselves in you and in your story and being able to identify and it's something that resonates with me so much. And I know that my listeners are always trying to look at ways that they can have that conversation. And so I was watching an interview that you had with somebody else and I wanted to kind of maybe get your take on it. How is having that conversation, especially being somebody who's so public, you obviously have a name that is very identifiable of being in cannabis. How do your friends take that? How do your family take that when you step into those, you know, maybe other worlds or other roles? What does that look like? The conversation over the years has changed. In the beginning when I was younger and it was the 90s and we all kind of operated from the shadows anyway when we were really supporting compassionate care. Friends, of course, obviously, you know, the people which you associate with your closest friends understand what you do and why you do it. They understand your passion and your why. However, coworkers, I wouldn't have bridged to say that in my day job, would I ever really talk about what I did in the afternoons or weekends to support cannabis? Not as much because we just really weren't at liberty to. Family, I come from a very conservative background. And unfortunately, most of my family does consider cannabis to be an illicit drug and always has. And with current regulations are still kind of on the fence to see some of the benefits starting to kind of bridge that gap between mainstream to alternative lifestyle. And so I'm thankful for that. And all that has come with with ups and downs. Of course, you want support from everyone. You love for everyone ideally to share your ideology on a subject, right? But I think that is where the fuel and the passion comes for a particular subject. In my case, cannabis is because it is a a plant that's been widespread use for over 10,000 years. Yet here we are 10,000 years later, so to speak, and we still have stigma. We have problems. We, it's villainized. So, you know, there's a, a, a lot behind, I know myself, why I stay passionate for this plant. And the stigma really does attach itself to us ladies just slightly more than it does to our male counterparts. Our, the expectation is that we're ready to go, we're ready to nurture, we're ready to take care of, we're ready to build. And that if we have any substance that comes in in the right in the line of fire of that, that we're doing something wrong. And so when Lady Canna really became like a public kind of concept about four years ago, four, four and a half years ago, I did speak a lot more to women than I did to males, although everyone was always welcome, of how to integrate cannabis into their life and find out if they hadn't tried cannabis or hadn't had it since college or something like that. Did they have a flair of passion in regards to the plant? And if so, how could it be fostered? I think that it's such a like personal thing for someone to obviously like create the separation between like, I like this plant, but I maybe don't work in the industry yet to you now work in the industry. So obviously you've crossed that threshold of this is something that I like to do in my free time, or I personally believe in it to now this is something that I get 
to maybe get paid for. This is part of my industry. And then I think you have the layer also of the legality, right? So it's not federally legal, but you live in a state where it has transitioned to being legal. So while you know, there's still this stigma around it. You're able to have a little bit more colorful conversations. I joke sometimes I dance on that line because I'm in Texas. And I know that my followers and listeners, of course, recognize that there are some limitations when it comes to where you perhaps might be living. So something too, that when we're talking like our customers, they come in and, you know, right before we were recording, I was telling you kind of about some of Texas's laws, which hopefully by the time this airs, some of those will be dealt with a little bit better fingers crossed, but you know, I had a customer come in and they were really confused why this ban was happening. And I shared with them, you know, we educate our customers, but then further from that, I was like, you know, if you want to get involved, you can, this isn't reserved for just, you know, the, the use and the eyes who work in the industry. This is for the woman, the man, the young, the old, the boss, the employee, like you too can have a voice and go contribute to the conversation. But then I'm always struck with the other side of the coin where it's like my employer or my family or, you know, this or that, they don't feel like they can comfortably come out. And so I always love when I get to have these conversations because I do think that everybody listening should be the truest to themselves, but of course, like look at ways that they can leverage that spirit or that passion to add to the conversation. So maybe you and I, it looks like creating content, right? So you launched your magazine, maybe for somebody listening, it's just being more empowered to have conversations with their family members. But on that subject of you launching your magazine, I love to kind of dial it in a little bit more and go from how you went from being in the industry for these decades and not really working full-time, it sounds like, to when did you really start working full-time to then now launching the magazine? So kind of weave that story for us a little bit better. Sure. In the industry for people like myself, I will just speak for me because everyone's experience is different. Being in the industry means starting with the community and what I like to call the original marketplace. There's a lot of different facets to that that I'm not going to go into. But for me, it meant advocating for people who couldn't advocate for themselves. It meant bringing a voice, not only to a person who needed cannabis, but to cannabis itself. And I didn't do this alone by far. There were hundreds, thousands of of us who traveled everywhere that anyone would listen to talk, to raise funds, and to most importantly, bring low cost or free cannabis to those who needed it most. And at that time period in the early 90s there, obviously the HIV and AIDS epidemic was in full array. And I saw people I knew, people I I loved and cherished in the uh, LGBTQ community, being villainized, being treated as criminals for trying to increase the quality of life when the quantity of their life had been limited. If you're ill and you don't feel well and you know what the ultimate end is, why is it you're being denied something that can bring you a better quality of life? And better yet, why are you being villainized and treated like a criminal? And we just wouldn't stand for it. Now, as the years went by and there's been different, uh, you know, will we be legal? Will we be able to have dispensary? All those things. And still I, myself and many others still operated very gently from the shadows, supporting businesses, supporting ideas, raising more funds. And we bring it into today. And now we can work how we want to work. We can speak how we want to speak about this product. And for me, I said, if I'm going to do something public, I'm going to pick up where I left off, so to speak, and giving a voice 
to people who need it, to people who need that support. And so I chose uh, because, well, the era that I come from, we love magazines. I mean, in my age group, we do really like to turn the page. And um, it's a, a format and a platform that spoke to me. So I said, well, why don't I do that? Why don't I start a magazine? But it's going to be niche. We're going to focus on women in this industry because as we bridge from community to industry, I'm noticing that we're doing yet again with another industry in America. We're leaving women behind and I won't stand for it. And so Vanguard, of course, is a platform. Of course, it is a magazine, but it's also a movement. It's for all of us. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's for all of us women and those who ally with us to recognize that we can build something huge and it's more than monetary. We can bring back the true value of cannabis to our communities if we just let it happen. So that is really where it comes from. I think that's so beautiful. And I almost want to kind of correct myself a little bit too. I guess with you sharing your story, I want to clarify, it wasn't that you weren't working in the industry full time, right? It was the industry, quote unquote, was a community because there really wasn't an industry. And I love the way that you framed it. And it's something that I'm going to now, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't take notes while I'm talking to you. So I'm mentally writing these things down because I think it's just a really refreshing way and very, you know, just like humble way to look at it. it it's a plant and there's people that benefit greatly from it. You and I both know that. And so how do you go from this thing that is very clearly a piece to a better quality of life, but also reflecting on how the law is making that piece to the better quality of life so unobtainable for so many and so stigmatized. And so I think that there's a lot of conversations, obviously, around the many different layers of stigmatization around cannabis, but I do appreciate your emphasis on speaking up for those who don't really have a voice and really creating a niche conversation, because I think that that's really what I love seeing happening in the industry. I think, you know, because it's becoming an industry, it's having the tendencies, like you said, to leave certain people behind. I think you're seeing a lot of big brands jump into the space. And it's really exciting when I see, you know, major publications talking about cannabis. And I still think that there's a place for those conversations to be happening because maybe not everybody is as comfortable as you and I to go dig into some of the more niche content. I think they need to see it on the front page of their regular newspapers or magazines. But I think where you come into the conversation with Vanguard is really creating, like you said, a community and a platform and a voice for people to be able to see themselves and just give you some kudos around just like stepping up and doing the damn thing. I think that there's so many people who are listening who probably feel like, oh man, I wish that I could, you know, start a podcast or I wish that I could start a magazine or, oh, I wish I could have this conversation, you know, with Tiffany myself. And the secret is you can, anybody can be doing what we're doing. And I, and I think the spirit that you and I share, I'm speaking for you, but I think that you share it is we want more people to be telling their stories we want more stories. We need more people to be sharing and confident and comfortable. And so I love that that was really the impetus for you wanting to create Vanguard and, and really wanting to just have this corner of the universe, as I like to say, and just create a safe space for people to feel comfortable. A magazine is something that, you know, I will admit, I love paper. I'm a paper girl. So for me, magazines are not a lost art form. I think it just really is something for people to think through maybe like a creative opportunity of 
anything is available. Anything's on the table. You just have to kind of dream it into existence. I think the time is now to really go and have that voice. So with creating Vanguard, you know, what was that process like for you to create a magazine in the space? Did you have to get funding? Are you self-funded? How do you produce the magazine? Like what's the creative process for that? Uh, The creative process is, uh, I like to call intricately simple. I do not have outside funding. I am self-funded and I do enjoy that. I do enjoy the fact that I rely upon me. And the only reason is, is because I think that the platform and the movement need to remain in character. And it's just too soon in the process to, uh, to broaden it too much. Um, I don't want to lose its niche. The process is great. It, I get to talk to great amounts of women. I get to hear so much innovation. I get to hear so much creativity. And it, it is a wonderful process. Now, I am not the uh, the sole um, proprietor of information for it. I do have writers that are wonderful and they have written great pieces for major publications across the United States that are non-cannabis related and cannabis related. So I like to get that diversity of thought. And what this uh, compiles into is a wonderful pool of great information surrounded by women, created by women. And, um, we get to put it all together in one spot and we get to share. Um, uh, it is available. I will say this because I know you said you like, you like paper. I do too. I mean, I'm going to admit it. I love to have a, a book. I love to have a magazine, but I do also um, offer it uh, as a choice to have it digital or to have a printed copy in hand. And it's a pretty automated process. I use a third party production company for that. And it's seamless. You just order whichever one you wish. But other than that, I keep the process pretty simple. I'm what's called ad light. And the reason why is because I feel like uh, additional ad space takes away from the true meaning of what it is that I'm doing with these women, what I'm wanting these women to do with each other, which is uplift and self-promote and cross-promote. I absolutely enjoy when someone picks up one of the copies and says, oh, I I know this person, I know her. And they feel like I can do this too. Because, you know, when you pick up a major publication, sometimes you look through there and you're just kind of on the outside looking in. You don't see anything familiar inside, not familiar enough that makes you inspired to do the same exact thing. And that is what I want to foster in this, because this project, I will say again, I will say to infinity is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's just big and it's for us all. So I need when anybody picks it up to see that they need to see this explanation that I'm giving as they flip the pages so they can have that for themselves and they can share it with each other and it can just keep going on. Now I know it says a very existential ethereal approach to a magazine, but like I said, it's more than just a magazine to me. To me, this is yet another movement and I don't want it to be lost. Well, it's a vessel for storytelling. I think it's a way to lift I'm going to use, you know, kind of a general word like regular people, regular amazing incredible people. I will admit you and I are probably two very badass ladies, but we're also just regular women. We're regular women who wake up just like everybody does. I put my pants on the same way you do. I brush my teeth. I take a shower. I eat food, blah, blah, blah. And I think people create barriers to entries for themselves 
And especially in this industry where so many of us haven't seen somebody come before us, somebody who looks like us, somebody who sounds like us. Oh, hey, the industry is completely new. It's like, you just, you don't know where to go. And so for me, that really resonates because that's really the purpose of this podcast. It was, I remember when I was launching it and I'm sure you can relate to this. I was kind of looking around thinking, okay, well, if I wanted to, you know, see who's done this before me, what does that content look like? And I realized that there was some content, but it wasn't exploited. You know, there wasn't just rows and rows of the same people talking about the same stuff. And so it gave me a little bit of confidence of like, oh, I have a voice. Like I can say something. Let me just go have this conversation. Let me just dip my toe. Let me just, you know, ease into it. And so I really love that because I want people to realize that if you're looking for somebody who's been there, done that, they probably don't exist because we're all still learning. I mean, I'm sure even despite having the years of experience in the industry that you have, I'm sure you're still like, we're infants. This is a very new structured. This is new. It's new. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, we all have the cannabis community before. If that's what you, if you wanted to be a part of it, great. But if, if you weren't, um, that was also great. But now we have an industry we have something else at stake. This is this is larger than, you know, 30 years ago than we ever would have imagined that we would have. So it's brand new territory and there's enough out there for us all. Am I the only women's cannabis publication? Not at all. And I don't, I'm not trying to be the, the, the biggest, the tallest, the best, the only, because there's enough out there for us all to succeed, especially if we start to unify, especially as women, if, as people of color, I believe that we can definitely make waves just by banding together and understanding that we're all reaching towards the same goal. And it's a simple concept that has passed us over for so long. And I'm hopeful that we will take notice and understand that, yes, you're doing the same thing as me. I'm doing the same thing as her. And that's great. But when they look at all of us together, not as individuals, but as a group, we have a much more powerful voice. That is where change is made. It's not just one person over here who thinks this, and then I think that over there, and then you think, and if we're all thinking the same thing, but talking at all three different times, we're not a powerful force. When we stand together and we get in front of someone who's opposing us, and there we are together, unitedly fronted against or for something, we make change and difference. And that's all that I'm really looking for. Like I said, it's a, there's a lot of competition out there for what I do, for what you do. But does it really matter? Because we're all inching towards the same goal. That's so beautiful. I just want to live in that excitement and that warmth of opportunity because I think that it's just like when you're able to empower somebody to really think that anything is possible. And again, I think it kind of goes back to, unfortunately, some of the outside forces that restrict certain individuals, they don't feel like they can tell their story. They don't feel like they can have a voice. And I think the point for hopefully, you know, specifically with this episode, but really of the whole conversation is like, find your voice, figure out your story and then tell it. And so for you and I, we love helping other people tell their stories. But I think for people listening, especially probably coming from brands, I mean, you know, just looking at 
how many CBD shops have opened up recently across the United States? They all sell the same thing, but what makes them different, right? It's their story. It's their excitement, their why, like what the hell wakes them up in the morning. And then it's how they're going to educate and build that conversation through just sharing. And so I think getting people to just feel excited about owning where they come from and like owning their voice is so important. And so I think a question I was going to ask you too is when you're sourcing stories, are you just like constantly on LinkedIn? I mean, it sounds like you're obviously very networked. We connected originally through LinkedIn and I, I'm just always fascinated. Like how do people get connected to tell their story? So if I'm like sitting in the audience and I'm thinking like, I want to tell my story. What does that look like? How does somebody actually get their story told? It's a multitude of ways. I do meet people constantly. LinkedIn is a great source. Most uh, of the social media platforms are a great source of leaving a message that will definitely get to me. As I collect them, I start to reach out. I have my writers reach out. And, um, you know, it started off a very, a very small process, which has really steamrolled into a constant flow of stories. And I'm so grateful. And I will get to each and every one of them. And I say it's, it's relatively easy. If you move to do so, go ahead and leave um, a message at one of the platforms on Instagram, Facebook. You can try through Twitter. You can and definitely LinkedIn. And that will for sure, uh, you know, come across my desk and we, we will chat. We will schedule some time to chat in regards to what it is that you do and, and how you do it and how amazing you are, for sure. Is there a story that comes to mind that you've been able to tell through Vanguard that really resonates that you want to share? Um, I'm not going to really use any names, but in the first issue, there is a person who used growing to kind of not just grow the plant, but to grow themselves. And I thought that her journey of self-exploration through the cultivation of cannabis was just really inspiring. That's one. I'm going to go with a, a, another issue. There is a woman, again, a grower, who just kind of found her footing after battling uh, cancer. And she's in the Pacific Northwest area and has just really made a name for herself out of a small grow. And I thought that was just really amazing and innovative. When you're diagnosed with something that could be terminal, just hearing those words can be so life limiting up here that, you know, the fact that she was able to still innovate and still uh, come through on a project that has become profitable. She has survived and she has made cannabis a part of her existence. That is also truly inspiring. So I think that, you know, what I'll find is that it'll be, you know, years and years down the road and these women will never cease to amaze and inspire me. I will always smile, drop a tear, jump up and down or something. I can just feel it. I feel it every time I, I get a new story, every time I see someone else sharing, I get that great feeling and I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. The stories that you're telling, do you find that they fit into a particular, like is the magazine organized in a way where there are stories that are more individuals who are using cannabis products to like you were just sharing, you know, help heal themselves? Or are they more people who are actually like working or building a brand or in the industry? 
It is all of the above. In the last issue, we had a story called Standing Proud. And what that was, was the LGBTQ experience and person of color experience uh, in the cannabis space. It was an account of four different women, I believe, of memory serving four different women who shared their experiences. Then we kind of went together about how they paralleled, how they were different, things like that. I attack parenting being a mom and having cannabis integrated into your life and what that means, you know, at the at the marriage level, what that means at the grandparent level and what that means at the preschool level, you know, and things like that. Then I also have people who showcase a product that they do that they're proud of. I've had a few women um, that are entrepreneurial that have already begun to sell a product that have these beautiful crafted pictures and all sorts of things like that who just want to tell their story and their how and why they got into the cannabis space. So I don't shy away from any type of story just simply because they all deserve to be told. Some of these women felt like they would never have someone actually advocate for telling how they've, you know, created a brand new product or how they've innovated, a, you know, the usage of cannabis in their home or something like that. So I'm always, uh, always excited about those as well. You mentioned mothers and parenting. I think that's a question that I personally don't speak a lot about because I'm not a parent or a mother, but I'm very aware as a woman that that is something that as I evolve into those stages of my life, could be something that I have to face. One of my previous guests was Ricardo Baca. He was the editor-in-chief of the Denver Post, and they had a documentary called Rolling Papers on Netflix where they specifically had one of his writers. So she was one of the first writers for a national publication talking about cannabis and parenting. And it showed a clip of her you know, getting some feedback of you shouldn't be doing that and you're a mother and it starts to creak open the conversation for, you know, are you unfit to be taking care of your child if you're advocating for cannabis? And, you know, for those listening, this was in Colorado. Colorado was adult use legal. So it was legal for her as an individual to consume cannabis. And she was telling her story and sharing her experience. And she got so much flack as a result of it. And now that was, you know, six years ago, but I don't think the conversation has lightened up too much. I think it still is one from a health perspective. I think when you're looking at pregnancy, specifically with CBD, I know that there are some stigma around should women who are breastfeeding or pregnant be consuming cannabis, then it transfers over to, hey, now I've got a kid. Maybe they're under three, maybe they're 13. They're doing homework in their you know, room. Girls come over, we're doing cannabis night instead of happy hour wine night. Why is that bad? And so I just want to hear from your perspective, especially being a woman, advocating for women, that must be a really hard conversation to address. So how does that come up with your content? It is difficult to address simply because there is so much stigma out there. Um, But I talk about it freely. I'm also a mom. I have got two wonderful children and I've used remedies that included cannabis with my children as they were growing up. Now I have adult kids now, but as they were growing, 
Um, absolutely. If my daughter had menstrual cramps, of course, I was able to put together a concoction in my kitchen that I felt worked best for her body and didn't include synthetic medication over the counter or from a doctor. And I felt 100% justified in doing so. Now, there are women out there who feel they want to do that. Just something as simple as that treating menstrual woes. And they feel like they can't do that with their daughters. But what really speaks to me and just boils my blood are the parents, men and women out there with children with debilitating circumstances, seizures and otherwise, who have to run like fugitives because they've chosen to utilize a cannabis product to treat their child. That is outrageous. That is something that should never, ever happen. So yeah, it is a difficult, depending on what side you stand on, it is a difficult conversation, but it's one that I hope ends in, in understanding, even if it's not within agreeance, but still understanding that parent's point of view. I always speak from mine. I did not take my children to the doctor, not because we couldn't, it was because I didn't want to. I found that if anything if my child went to the doctor, it was always medication for this, this, that, and the other. And they couldn't give me a good reason why they were medicating without diagnosing first. And it's not an uncommon thing for people to experience. And I took matters into my own hands. I studied, I just, I figured out what works best. And I, I didn't operate within fear. And some people do, which is perfectly fine. Everyone's got to be at their own level, but if you choose to utilize cannabis yourself or with your children, we have to understand that we, we do it for medical, we do it for spiritual, whatever reasons we're doing what benefits and betters us, we have to control that narrative and we have to control that process. It, the, the fear and the stigma comes from allowing other people to control how we better ourselves. I've spoken in the past in regards to, we have the regulations, and the legalities, we also have what I would refer to as a social legality. That is where it might be legal in your state, but then in your circle of friends or family or at that family reunion, they're treating you like a criminal. They're all popping beers and having glasses of wine and sometimes even liquor or spirits. But the moment you even walk away to say, hey, I'm going to go maybe hit my vape pen over here, you're the talk of the entire event while everybody's standing there hypocritically with liquor in their hands. And so I think that's truly the hardest conversation right there, you know, implementing it into your life and, and keeping yourself sane and keeping yourself well while you take care of your children, I think is a right that each and every one of us have. No, you paint such a vivid picture that I think brands need to be aware of, you know, the consumer is more curious these days. I think you have more people just on the wellness and taking care of yourself side. You have more people who are turning to cannabis, but I do believe as those people turn to cannabis, they're looking for resources that give them confidence and trust that this can be something for them. And so I think when you sit in a position of helping guide that conversation through sharing people's stories, 
it's a really sweet spot because you're able to connect somebody who maybe otherwise would have felt isolated because of their family or circle of friends or the environment or, you know, their geographical location maybe prohibited them from being kind of curious. And now here, like you said, maybe they see somebody who looks like them, or they get to see a story or read a story that shares a little bit of more information that makes them more comfortable and confident trying it out. And I guess to kind of point out for anybody listening, you know, as the industry is new, it's new for the consumers too. And so I think as they're looking for, how do I adopt this into my lifestyle, especially I think women do have a more challenging situation. I don't have children, but for me coming out and smoking a joint on Instagram has been really controversial. I work out every day of my life. I do take rest days, but I really love fitness And as I started to change my personal Instagram account from more fitness and food to showing more cannabis, because I, like you, feel like I've been given this opportunity to be more forthcoming with my story. I do work in cannabis full time. I get the pleasure of operating a podcast where I get to bluntly talk about my experience with the plant. I realize not everybody else does. And so that's where for me, I turn to social media to say, hey, let me just help normalize the joint. Let's talk about this. And I remember this one person messaged me back and was like, you work out every day. Isn't smoking bad for your lungs? And I'm just, you know, cracked up because I'm thinking, yeah, but I don't eat, you know, dairy and sugar and my heart's really healthy and I don't drink alcohol. And why is this one aspect of this consumption or of this plant so stigmatized. And I decided like you to hell with everybody else. I know this plant's beautiful and it's personally impacted my life in more ways than one. I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to share my experience, but I come across so many people who they just, if they don't see it in their circle, they're not aware of it and they don't know. And so I like being somebody who can say, Hey, you can be a woman who's intelligent. You get to say, Hey, you can be a mom who loves her kids, who's a smart business owner. We, we can be these things and we can still like cannabis. And so I think that for me is where getting back to you know, your passion of, of hearing and cultivating these stories over the years, because I really think that's what you've been doing. You've just been so obedient to the real like purity of cannabis. And it's like, this is a plant. This has helped people like this shouldn't be stigmatized. This should be legal. People should have access to it. And like society and life has like just been, you know, kind of giving you some, some things to, you know, have to encounter and deal with like all, you know, challenges sometimes make us stronger. All challenges make us stronger. I shouldn't say sometimes, but I do think that it's, you know, slowly helping to create a drumbeat for people to see you as Lady Canna, which really allows them to see themselves as a lady of cannabis. I do believe that it is my, um, my passion for the human experience for us to really take a look at what it is that we do, how we do it and why. And living true to those things keeps you out of that network of poking at what others do. 
being comfortable with experiences with things helps you to understand the experiences and challenges of others. And I think that, you know, when I was on the the kind of the talk circuit holding these town hall style meetings for cannabis as Lady Canna um, several years ago, when you say that, you know, kind of getting these stories over the years, I, I think I've always been a curator of that style of information because it moves me to understand the human experience around many things. But when I focus, you know, around this plant, there's just a lot there. And there's a lot of people who just are just vehemently, get that away from me. Get, and you have to wonder, why are you so moved in that direction? It's okay to be moved in that direction. You don't have to like it. But why is it so strong? Why are you so angry about that? I think it's worth examining. It's worth understanding so that we can have true change, especially if we're going to call this an industry. We need to understand why, you know, there are people who are against alcohol, former alcoholics, people who have suffered, but they do not, they say, oh, I don't want to be around it, but they don't cringe and get prophetic, you know, this, these just horrible reactions just because they've seen a beer. But if you pull out the alcohol and slip into cannabis, you get people, they'll read you the riot act. They'll tell you a million things that you don't want to hear just because they've seen cannabis. And I think that getting to the root of that, it's going to really help lift a lot of stigma. And I think that we can get it done and through what you do, through what I do and the countless others who do, who, who do the same. But I do think it's quite important. But yeah, I definitely collect the human experience because I feel it's definitely worth looking at and kind of uncovering those truths. quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Well, you point out a really fair point too that I hope people can resonate on and it's why someone doesn't like something and it's helping them not even change their opinion. Like you said, it's just like helping them be able to understand perhaps deeper why they have a problem with it. And I think as a marketer in this space, it's something that we're always confronted with is this stigmatization but understanding why there's a stigma. Is it a generational thing? Is it that someone had a bad experience with something? Is there a personal relationship that was affected by this plant? You know, I think there's a lot of different layers that honestly do just get kind of shoved under the rug. I think we don't talk about them nearly enough. And so I do think that while we highlight you know, the great things this plant can do. I think it's important for those of us in the industry to ask these questions and to get comfortable with the uncomfortability of, you know, I accept that not everybody's going to like what I have to say. I accept that not everybody's going to vibe with what I'm putting out. But if we can at least mutually come to the table and have some sort of understanding, like why is it that women can't be consuming cannabis and still be considered a great mother, a great boss, a great, you know, contributor to society. And I don't know if there's one, again, like direct 
answer, but I think starting to understand maybe why and asking better questions, which I think you probably have picked up how to do over the years, especially cultivating these stories. is just getting people to like, you know, sometimes when you like, even like interviews, right? The first question or two that you ask, people will kind of give you their baseline answer. And then you keep asking questions and then you can start to carve around like, no, but really why? What's, what's it really about for you? And so you've just given me some good nuggets to just think through as I'm cultivating stories and telling stories myself, but also as I'm connecting to consumers as a brand and trying to understand when someone walks through my door, what has their experience been and why? I think that that really ultimately can help empower the brands in the space, which will lift the industry. Because like you said, if we're all speaking the same language, then we can all be on the same page and we are a stronger force than if we're all isolated saying, you know, versions or different edits of ourselves. And I think that that is unfortunately a problem that plagues this industry. I think I love when you say community to industry, because now I'm like, are we an industry? We're an industry, but we're still a community. I want us to be a community. But I think as you transition from the community to the industry, the facts are not super factual sometimes. I think there's the science of the plant. And then I think there's our interpretation of the law, of you know marketing, consumerism that then dilutes that that very like, purity again of the plant's original purpose. And for those of us who exist in the industry, it's like, how do you make sense of all that to come to market for better or worse? Like your mag- your magazine is a marketing piece. It's content. It's content and it is, it is a marketing piece and it, it's true. How do you come to a solid ground for putting out information or content that's factual when from the top down, our leadership, so to speak, for cannabis, which is our regulations, change on us? The interpretations are best left suited to certain sectors and when certain people benefit over others. If we can't even get our story straight from the top, then how do we expect our products to reflect anything else but chaos? And so that is why I make a distinction between community and industry, because when we operated as a community, we had everybody had a sage. If you were into cannabis, everyone had a sage in their life who would say, oh, well, you utilize it for this, or I for years have done this, or I raised all my children using cannabis such as, and fill in the blank. And now we have an industry that doesn't even support that. The industry supports the dollar sign, and I get it. America needed another industry, and I'm proud of it. But we need to bridge the gap between where our community dropped off and our industry picked up, and that is what's going to make us strong, and that is what's going to make our products, our innovation, our creativity all in unison, and it's all going to really speak right back down to the consumer. When they buy, they can buy with confidence. They can buy and not have to listen to 50 different experts tell them why this one product is A, good enough, or B, buy the other one. When it comes to marketing, this can be confusing ground. And it it really comes from the chaos of everyone speaking something different up here and the product sitting right here. So I think that we need to really figure out a way to kind of unify that information. And it does come from the top down. 
It comes from the top down. And I do think that's why storytelling and getting brands to be more comfortable telling a story. I think you see that happening where I love what you said, the dollar signs, obviously of the industry, you have these, these dollar signs that are coming in and their website is slick. They've got really nice photos, but you're like, who are you? What's your why? What's your story? And then you have, I think on the other side, maybe somebody who's like, this is my story. This is how I got into cannabis. This is why I'm using it. But they're not able to translate because of how the industry has structured itself. And so we're really in a, I like, I'm going to be positive. We're in a beautiful opportunity to bridge that gap. Like you said, it's a great position to be in because I really think people don't realize the power we have kind of going back to what we were saying earlier. Nobody like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, Shada, now is your time to go create a podcast. Go forth, my child. Like, no, nobody was like, hey, guess what? Time to launch your magazine. Today's the day. Like, no, Tiffany, I'm sure you were like, I should launch a magazine. Okay, maybe I'm not. Maybe I will. A couple months go by. You eventually did it, right? And so I, I hope people are hearing the, there's no like big motion that's going to come and create the, you know, parting of the seas, so to speak, for you to freely walk into the beautiful cannabis industry that is blossoming. But the good news is you can literally do and create anything. And I think that's where sometimes as a marketer, I relish and also curse a little bit because as you're saying, as the laws change, like with Texas, with the smokables, I want to educate my consumers on the truth. I want them to know, for example, again, sharing my story, I love to smoke. I love freaking smoking. And I want to talk about it. And I want my consumers to know that smoking is a great way to experience cannabis. And now here comes my state saying, you can't do that. You can't talk about smokables. And I'm thinking as a marketer, okay, well, so my brand can't talk about smokables, but surely me, I still smoke. Like I can talk about smokables. For better or worse, there is a law. And whether you like the law of your state or not, you know, I know being from Texas, there are a lot of thoughts about our cannabis laws. I'll be the first to say I wish we had better laws, but it is the law of my state. And I do need to at least entertain it and participate if I want to stick around. I think people, they want to push the law, they want to push the boundaries. And I get it. I think we should. And I think there's probably, smarter ways to go about it than some, but I do think by, you know, playing with the rules that are set before you, you can still be really creative and you can still create content. You can still share your story. And I think that's what I ultimately resonate with is nobody can take your story away from you. Nobody can take your experience. So yes, as a parent, you made a decision. Oh my gosh, my daughter is having menstrual cramps. Why would I not contemplate giving her cannabis when we know what the alternatives are, I reflect on, no, I'm not a parent yet. I'm not, you know, having a child anytime soon, but because it comes up a lot, I started thinking, well, how would I handle that? What would I do if I became pregnant or if I was breastfeeding, like, would I still be consuming cannabis? And I think I'm a big fat hell. Yes. Because of everything that I've educated myself on, I'm making a decision for myself with the resources and information that exists out there to ultimately make a decision that yes, I will have to live with, 
you know, I think there's a, there's always going to be side effects. There's always going to be caution. And I think that we can do only what we are capable of doing and that's educate ourselves and then make decisions. And so I think when you're creating content, you're ultimately helping somebody see themselves in your brand, in your product, in that story. And that's going to open their minds up a little bit bigger to seeing maybe they, maybe they're not going to get into the industry. Maybe they're not going to go create a magazine or a podcast, but maybe they have a friend who could really benefit from cannabis who's been closed minded because of X, Y, or Z. And now because of this content that you've created, somebody is able to see themselves or see their friend and say, Hey, this might be something that you could benefit from. And I'm such a big believer. I talk about it a lot in the podcast of the one-to-one conversation. I'm sure when you created your magazine, you probably had really big goals of obviously you're putting this effort in because you want multiple people to see it. Nobody, I think, really does anything because you're like, I'm going to make a podcast and I hope my mom listens. No, I like you. I want you know to have the most impact. But I think where I've resonated with personally is if I can just convince one other person that cannabis is for them or that cannabis isn't as dangerous as the media has been made to make it seem. And I always think that's a funny one. It's like working in marketing. I'm like, I'm one of those people who controls the message and the message is what we've been dealing with and fighting all these years. So here we are, we're in this beautiful space to be able to help bridge that gap. But yeah, I just think it's a really lovely opportunistic time to create more of that community. And I think that community happens by just talking to people, both collecting stories and sharing your own story. Absolutely. I mean, yes, to your point, no, I I did not create this, this magazine, this movement for it to just be me and my close friends taking a look at it. Because if that was the case, then I'd see it as more of an extension of myself. And I don't, I, I really see this as a movement. So this, this needs everyone. This needs to have, this needs to be in everyone's ear. And I all, you know, when people listen to us talk about uh, cannabis, my biggest thing is, yes, of course, I want someone to utilize cannabis and see its benefits and feel its benefits if they so choose to, because I think how you feel and better yourself, again, is your personal right. I would want anyone, even if you're in opposition of cannabis, to listen and hear the other side. For so long, we've had one-sided argument against cannabis and no one will listen. And sure, we have our anecdotal evidence and our stories and our, and our, we can do that all day. But since we don't have hard research in America, sanctioned research in America, um, it's hard to get everyone to listen to your story because people like rules and regulations or we wouldn't have them. People like to hear that this thought leader, this person in this group says this is okay. And our leadership across the country, state to state, doesn't exactly resonate that thought. It becomes confusing to people, especially if they only thing they've heard are things bad about cannabis. Then they're like, well, I'm going to follow the law. This is bad for you. I'm not hearing anything else. And what I want to have is that quiet conversation. No one's going to get angry. No one's going to oppose anyone else's thought. I like for people to show up to my talks that do not support cannabis. I like to hear what they have to say. And the only thing I ask in return is that they listen and that they leave thinking 
not leave with a changed mind. That's up to you. We don't control the process. Just leave thinking about what we said and knowing that there's another side. That's the biggest thing that one of the biggest things that fuels my passion is getting people to hear, just to be able to hear our voices. Okay, I don't know about you, but obviously stories are super huge for me. I mean, that's the whole premise of the podcast. I love learning people's stories. I love telling people's stories. I obviously love talking about my own story, but I think a really big takeaway from this episode is hopefully for you guys just to hone in on what is your story and how do you communicate that? Whether it's through a magazine, through a podcast, through another, you know, channel of media or really just through your own social network. You know, who are you actually influencing or who are you interacting with on a day-to-day basis and just being really confident in what you believe in in regards to and in relationship to this plant. So I hope that that left some nuggets for you to resonate with. And thanks for joining another episode. We will be back next Monday with a brand new one. And if you liked this one, please share it with a friend or go leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Thanks again and talk to you guys soon. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash tobeblunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.